Disclaimer first and foremost, there's quite a bit of email chat in today's show. <laughs> uh, we promise it's entirely accidental. It's just the way the cards have fallen today. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yesterday we talked about the uh, the study that found that Sunday, Sunday afternoons are the best day and time of the week to send an email. And then we asked if you respond to emails outside of work hours. And well done to the 60% of you who have a good work-life balance said, no, you do not respond to emails outside of work hours. You have a line in the sand and you do not cross that. I'm part of the 40%. Mm-hmm. If I see that itty-bitty little thingy that says I've got one unread email, I'm opening them up. Yeah. doesn't matter when. I'm just extremely selective about what emails I respond to and <laughs> what I don't. So people feel know. special when they get a reply, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, but like Emma mentioned, this is not the last time that we are talking emails, so uh, let's get to it. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emile. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. For the first time ever, senior doctors and dentists are going on strike nationally. Today, we're finding out why we got to this point. We're also taking a look at a new report out this morning on the topic of invasive species globally and why we should be paying attention here. All of Sky City's casinos around the country are at risk of being shut down temporarily. So what happened? In today, a newsable first. One of our wonderful newsable listeners, one of you, is coming on the podcast to be interrogated. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Senior doctors and dentists are taking unprecedented industrial action today and walking off the job for two hours. They're in a pay dispute with Te Whatu Ora Health New Zealand and decided to press ahead with the strike after negotiations broke down. Staff's Rachel Thomas has been reporting on the strike for The Post and joins us now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Rachel, when is the strike today and how disruptive is it expected to be? The strike runs from midday today till 2pm. It's only two hours long and it's designed to be the least disruptive. Surgeons don't actually want to delay procedures, but Te Whatu Order has said about 250 planned procedures will be affected today and underscored how frustrating that will be for patients who have been waiting, in, in some cases, years for oh. surgery. Mm-hmm. And this, as I understand it, this is the first in a, in a series, so there are more planned in the future, is that right? There are two more strikes planned, yes. So the next one is in eight days' time on September the 13th, another two-hour strike from 10am till 12pm, and then if things are still unresolved, there's a third planned for the 21st of September, which will be four hours long, that's the big one, will run from 10am till 2pm. So they are designed to get more and more disruptive as time goes on. Rachel, how did we get here? What do the, what do the senior medical staff want? Yeah, so this has been brewing for a long time, but it's worth mentioning, this is the first time this has ever happened in New Zealand, Mm. that senior doctors and senior medical staff have collectively gone on strike. 20 years ago in in Timaru, there was a little collection of senior doctors that went on strike, but this is huge. Basically, over the past couple of years, senior doctors have received pay increases that don't meet the level of inflation. So... You know, these guys aren't on the breadline, but they've got to the point where they're saying now, we're so short-staffed, we're trying to catch up constantly on these these surgical lists, we've been hustling through COVID, 
and we're sick of taking these real terms pay cuts. So it's it's just the last straw. Right. So th- this is about pay, not necessarily a, a broader working conditions kind of thing. It's not about them making more money. It's about retaining staff. So mm. when you look at the fact that in Australia, the bottom step for a senior medical officer is in some cases higher than the top step for those people here, then like there's just no way we can retain those staff. So they're saying, yeah, we, we can never match those salaries, but we have to go some way to lifting pay so that we can actually keep the people we've got. And that's a hell of a lot easier than trying to train new people and get them all in from overseas. It's like, let's just hold on to the ones we have and value them. Excellent stuff. Rachel Thomas, thank you very much for bringing us up to speed on that. You're welcome. We have a newsable first today. Our first newsable listener ever to subject themselves to an interrogation on the pod. Uh, So stick around for that. But the reason that we are getting them on is because of an email they sent to us. And remember, you can always get in touch as well. You can find us on Insta or TikTok. Just search up NewsableNZ. And our email is newsableatstuff.co.nz. Hot off the press, this morning a brand spanking new report has just been released taking a look at invasive species and how they are controlled. Also known as introduced pests, invasive species are behind 60% of all extinctions and internationally have cost more than 700 billion New Zealand dollars. And while we are an isolated country here in New Zealand with pretty robust biosecurity systems in place, our native plants and animals mean we are prime real estate for pests. All of them threaten our marine life and agriculture. Jacqueline Beggs, a professor of biological sciences at the University of Auckland, is here to talk to us more about it all. Kia ora. Kia ora. Jacqueline, can you first of all tell us what some of the current invasive pests impacting New Zealand are right now? Well, goodness, we've got a very long list, haven't we? <laughs> so that's the ones that people will be more familiar with, such as the introduced mammals, rats, cats, stoats, possums. Uh, But there's also a wide range of uh, other things that we worry about. So we've got, for instance, pathogens like myrtle rust that have recently come in. We've got coated dieback disease. There's a whole range of invertebrate species, um, like the wasps that I've done a lot of work on over the years, giant willow aphids. I mean, it's a really long uh, list, sadly. Jacqueline, tell me how some of these species actually get into the country. Like, you know, it makes sense with stoats and and possums and so on. They were introduced long ago, and they're very good swimmers, I hear, stoats. But things like myrtle rust and and wasps, how do they get here? A lot of the species have hitchhiked a ride uh, into New Zealand. So that's how wasps have arrived, for instance. In fact, we knew exactly when the German wasp arrived. It came in on aircraft parts into Hamilton at the end of the Second World War, but we didn't have the control tools at that stage to deal to them. Uh, So um, I wish we had, because wouldn't have that been amazing if we didn't have to be dealing with um, social wasps turning up at our barbecues. Whereas other species like myrtle rust, um, we're pretty sure blew here. And in fact, same with the fall army worm. We think that arrived um, off the back of big storms. So a few things make it here under their own steam. 
Uh, but many things are hitchhiking the ride with either us directly or with our goods. Given New Zealand's somewhat heralded biosecurity status now and the measures we, we have in place these days, why should we be paying attention to this report? Well, I think although we do have a good system, I don't think we can be complacent about what we do. Things do slip through the cracks. The problem is, is the more we trade with a wider range of places, the more we are at risk of new species arriving. Also, there's a range of other interactive effects that can exacerbate the whole problem. So things like climate change, land use change make us vulnerable to a whole lot of new species. So we need to be vigilant and try and keep ahead of the game here. So you know, the problem isn't solved by any means by having a good system where we need continual improvement and um, vigilance. Jacqueline Beggs, thank you so much for your time and insight. We're still going to do some hard-nosed investigative journalism in a second with a little help from one of our marvellous listeners. But if you're enjoying what you're hearing, remember to chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. But that, I think it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, 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 we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Sky City is facing losing its licence temporarily after being accused of failing to live up to its host responsibilities and investigations been carried out by the Department of Internal Affairs after a gambler complained that Sky City did not detect incidents of continuous play. The suspension could be for as long as 10 days and would involve Sky City casinos in Auckland, Hamilton and and Queenstown. Sky City has said it'll cooperate with the process and it and Internal Affairs will make their cases to the Gambling Commission. But here's a question. What rules are in place to help stop gambling getting out of control for those who have problems? Well, joining us now is Andre Frude from the Problem Gambling Foundation. Kia ora. Kia ora. T- tell us a bit about these host responsibilities Sky City said to have breached. What, what are they? Well, gambling operators are legally required to have host responsibility measures in place. So Sky City has got host responsibility programs that apply to all of their casinos. So essentially what that does is outline the measures that they take to prevent harm. Now, in this instance, continuous play is what's come up as being the issue. Now, we know that continuous play is an indicator of harm. If somebody's sitting at a pokey machine or standing at a gambling table, gambling for more than five hours, which is their threshold, then, you know, there's a likelihood that they are experiencing harm. What are some of the other host responsibilities that you could quickly list off for us? Well, part of host responsibility is actually being able to identify if someone is experiencing harm. So if they're sitting at a pokey machine and they are showing signs of agitation, they're making frequent withdrawals from an ATM, they're showing any signs of distress, 
then, you know, those are some of the indicators that someone might be experiencing harm. And staff are trained to look out for those things and they are meant to intervene. Now, the five-hour threshold that Sky City has, we have recommended and we have submitted on this that that be reduced are the host responsibilities the same across all gambling venues or does each venue get to decide its own rules and regulations? Well, they are required by law to have host responsibility measures in place or programmes and in pokey venues like in our community, pubs, clubs and TAB, they have new regulations actually that have just come in around providing host responsibility. So that's tightened that area up, which is a really good thing. But in terms of casinos, for example, Sky City has got a host responsibility program for its three casinos. We need to make sure that nobody falls through the cracks because people need to be identified early If it's left till they're really experiencing harm, you know, at the pointy end, things can be going really wrong for them at that point. Andre Frood from The Problem Gambling Foundation, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. So a few days ago, we were talking about the best workplace TV shows. You remember this, Imogen? Of course. How could I forget? And we put out the call to you, our wise and sage listeners, for your suggestions as to the best workplace TV shows. And we read some of them out on the show. And one of them in particular was quite interesting. We also got an email from, of all people, Bay of Plenty Symphonia Tauranga. Kia ora. Uh, which was unexpected, but kia ora, Tom. And Tom says, hands down the wire. Now, we did think at the time that it was a bit odd that an orchestra was weighing in on this. Uh, and as it turns out, our instincts were absolutely on point because the next day <laughs> got a very panicked email from someone called Tom Petchell urgently retracting this statement. Now, as hard-boiled investigative journalists, we considered it our duty to get Tom on the pod to explain exactly what happened and so he is here now for his interrogation. Kia ora. Kia ora, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Please explain yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just one of those stupid, silly mistakes that one makes. I, uh, I'm on the organisational committee for the orchestra this year, and so I've got my orchestra email address and my personal one, and I normally run them in two little tabs side by side. Just a simple mix-up. Any of us could have made that mistake. And you're lucky that this was the mistake, because you could have been doing way worse things, like tweeting hot Love Island takes or something. It could have been so much worse, but thankfully <laughs> I'm a lot more cautious with my uh, my Love Island hot takes than I am with uh, <laughs> other emails. It's very sensible. Yeah, you've got to keep that in the circle. All right, so let's clarify, because you were talking... You were talking about television. You obviously feel strongly enough about television to uh, message into your favourite daily news podcast uh, with your hot takes on it. So your favourite workplace TV show is The Wire. The orchestra's, however, differs. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, the orchestra is a legal entity. 
definitely its favourite is Scrubs. 100% Scrubs. scrubs. <laughs> How did you ascertain that it was, like, did you call an urgent meeting of the of the orchestra? Say, guys, I have accidentally um, uh, given myself a promotion. I'm now the official <laughs> spokesperson for the orchestra, and I've said that our favourite show is The Wire. However, that may not be correct. We need to hold a meeting under urgency like Parliament right now. <laughs> oh, no, no. There was just a little bit of uh, bit of telepathic communication with the orchestra, nice. and it told me that it just really likes John C. McGinley. Well, we've got you here. Tell us a bit about the orchestra, how often you folks play, and the kind of music, any concerts coming up? Yeah, so we're a community orchestra, a pretty good one, I would say. I'm not not biased at all. We um, we put on four shows a year, uh, just playing orchestral music, sort of right through the ages. Uh, and every year, at least one of those shows has got a youth focus. So this year, we've just wrapped up doing our Rising Stars competition, which we do every two years. And uh, high school students get a chance to perform a solo concerto with the orchestra. Nice. Extremely cool. Tom, what do you play? I play the clarinet, so uh, you can call me Squidward. Tom <laughs> <laughs> Petrol, newsable listener. Thank you so much for, first of all, getting in touch and then second of all, playing the game. No worries. Thanks very much, guys. Much appreciated. What a guy. What a guy. We'll have him back. We love Tom. Yeah. We'll have him back, yeah. <laughs> Look, we, uh, we cannot make any legally binding promises right here for fear of retaliation. But uh, <laughs> do get in touch with your stories of sending emails from the wrong accounts or tweeting from wrong accounts or sending emails to the wrong person. We love oh misery gosh. here, really, don't we? Sending an email to the wrong person. Yeah. Makes feel sick. Accidentally promoting yourself to your organization's spokesperson role. Uh, you know what to do. Flick us an email, hopefully from the right account, newsable at stuff.co.nz, or uh, you can also get in touch on Instagram. But I think that is newsable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. Have a banger Tuesday, and we'll speak to you soon. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support.